0: Teachers are natural innovators, entertainers, and problem solvers. They dream of growing old into the profession, teaching their kids kids. But sometimes career goals shift or change, and that makes opportunities outside of the classroom seem intangible. Questioning, who am I if I'm not a teacher? I'm your host, Alexandra Simon. And I'm your co host, Jody Scissors. This is The Great Teacher Resignation. Today, we are joined by a former educator from the UK who will remain anonymous. This educator has taught primary school for six years before transitioning into her current role as a reading curriculum designer. Welcome to the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We're really glad to have you on the show today. And to get us started, we know that you did recently leave teaching. We're curious, what type of support or resources did you access in order to build the courage to make your transition out of the classroom?
1: So the thing that pushed me to get out was that I thought I just needed a change. So I changed schools ready for the new school year, which was September. And um, instead of making me feel better about education and better about teaching, it actually made it worse. So I just didn't enjoy where I'd gone. I had already been thinking like, maybe I just need a break from teaching. And then I was telling myself, no, I just need to change schools. I've been at my old school for years. You know, I just need a fresh start. I just need a change. And I was fed up for the drive because my old school was so far away on top of an already really long day. So that was, I changed schools and it just didn't have the effect that i thought it would so i started having a look at what else you can do with your teaching qualification and it's just so vague because you're overqualified for something so people aren't going to pay you the wage that you need to survive on after being on a teacher salary not the teacher salaries are great but you know it's more than an entry-level salary for if you want to change career completely and then other careers, they want you to have more specific qualifications for that. So I was like, I don't know what to do. But also I really love education and I love kids. So I just don't know what to do. I just don't want to go through this. This is all I know is that I don't want to go through this all day, every day for the rest of my life, because I can't, I can't do it. So I did loads of research. I joined LinkedIn. I didn't think like it was a thing for education, but it it really
0: is. It didn't really used to be super education heavy. I think probably like five to seven years ago, but it's definitely picked up in the education field. I and mean, Jody, and I can attest to that.
2: I'm so glad to see more educators on there just representing our profession and being the voices of the profession. So I went
1: on that and it was like, I put in like really, really basic details because I didn't want anyone to find me on there. I was like, is my boss going to be watching? (laughs) And it came up with suggested jobs and vacancies. And I was like, oh, like learning and development, I could go that way. And then I found some jobs with other like educational companies. I was like, I've heard of this company. I've used their things before. I applied for four jobs in the end. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but I will come back to the question. Two of them were, Actually, education, two of them weren't at all, and the two that weren't at all that I didn't actually want. Um, and I think that probably was reflected in my application. I didn't get shortlisted for the other two I did. So one of them I found on LinkedIn, the other one I found on a website called Guardian Jobs. So I looked at, and there are some things on LinkedIn that you can follow as well that are about getting out of teaching. I trawled the internet, I went onto forums everywhere, everything. I found a Facebook group a while back. This is probably during COVID when I was like, I don't know if I want to teach anymore. This is horrible. And you might have already heard of it. It's called Life After Teaching, Exit the Classroom and Thrive. (laughs) And people post on there all the time about quitting teaching, wanting to quit teaching, the problems with teaching. I think it was predominantly a UK-based group, whereas now there are people starting to come in from other countries as well, which is really cool. And then just like talking to friends um, in terms of like support in exiting, it was so bad. I was so miserable. I didn't have a choice. I had to get out. So I live on my own. I have bills. I have a house around. And I was at the point where I was like, I literally want to quit with no job to go to because the notice periods here, you have to have resigned by the half term of that term to leave at the end of the term. So I had to have resigned by the like 27th or something of October to leave for the 1st of January. And I was in September. I was literally, I had a meltdown on my second day, which is not good. And um, I gave it a couple of weeks. I was like, I just need to settle in. And I was like, no, I can't keep doing this. I don't even know how I'm going to get to half term, let alone do a whole term. And then if, if I don't find a job, like I can't quit. But if you're applying for a normal job, most people only have to give four weeks notice not like months on end. So I was just really lucky. This job came up at the end of September. I was really open with the school that I was working in and told them I went through the interview process, which took ages. And I did. Luckily, I was able to hand my notice in by the deadline.
2: I'm sorry that you had to endure all of those really hard feelings for a a longer time than you probably would have wanted to. I can completely relate to that. But When you talked about how you found groups on Facebook and you found your friends to be able to support you in that really difficult time, I think that's one of the number one things a teacher needs who is considering a transition or that they just feel that the classroom is not their space is they need a strong community that is not just within their building. They need other supports because sometimes the people within the building are just trying to push forward as you are and they don't necessarily have that emotional resilience or even the tools or the words of advice to give so pat yourself on the back for being able to do that for yourself and and advocating for yourself to be able to get to the point where you could resign you could apply for a job and you could take that leap
1: yeah absolutely and having teachers always have teacher friends don't they i don't know how it happens Probably more than that. Um, Probably because the other half just don't really understand why I dropped off the face of the planet when I became a teacher, whereas the teacher ones do. I'd only just joined a new school. I didn't know them. They were basically strangers. On day two, when I was sat there going, What is going on? Well, there was like absolute carnage, like everywhere, everything is chaos and destruction. And I'm like, What is going on? I was like, I don't want to go to all these new people and be like, I hate my job here with you (laughs) because it feels really personal. And it wasn't. It was just, Like it was the combination of just maybe like the school just not being the best fit for me, but also just knowing that actually I just don't want to do this anymore. Whereas my teacher friends that weren't in that school, I could go home and be like, I am not okay. And day two, go over to my friend who, her house is there. So the window is there. She is through that window. (laughs) Her house is right there. Go to her house on day two, cry my eyes out going, I don't know what to do. I've made like the biggest mistake ever. I literally can't sleep. I'm throwing up for anxiety. What do I do? And then she can like calm me down and talk some sense into you and go, this isn't okay. Yeah.
0: And that's really common in the stories that we've heard from other teachers is that they first made a change. Like you just shared that they switched schools, right? So they were thinking maybe it was just the environment that they were in. But shortly after, maybe even a year or two after they realized, that wasn't what was impacting them. It was actually the profession itself, and they they no longer felt like that was where they wanted to be. And I'm really glad, like Jody shared, that you had this community. You had friends to go to. You had people to lean on that really listened to you and helped you through this this difficult time. I mean, having to plan so far in advance, like we do, it's hard. You know, you have to give really advanced notice when you're leaving the classroom. I want to dig a little bit deeper into how you got there. So. What was going on? What were the main reasons why you decided to leave the classroom?
1: I think just feelings of frustration that you work and you work and you work on something that is really, really hard and just nothing changes. And you, you change everything you possibly can as a teacher, but nothing changes. And you need that professional support from top down in your school to change something within the school and it just doesn't happen for whatever reason you know there are loads of reasons why things don't happen but it just doesn't happen it's just the frustration of like having the same conversations over and over and over again and it's like we're the ones in the classroom we know what needs to change but you're just not listened to and the way that the education system is
2: set up it's just it just doesn't work I think a lot of teachers here in the United States feel that there are a great deal of unrealistic expectations. And do you feel that that is also put on you too many demands, It's too unrealistic. It's too much pressure for everyone. So what does what does that look like in the environment that you've worked in in terms of some of those unrealistic expectations and how it impacts teachers? Yeah, completely.
1: Like from day one, you are given additional responsibilities. And unless you take those responsibilities on, like there's just a constant push for you to take more on and be responsible for more things and get better results every year. And like, it's always like, be better, be better, do more, do more. It's like, you can't do all of those things in the hours that are given to you. And then, and it just takes over your whole life.
2: I think it goes to show that like, it's not just an issue that we experience like in one country, but it it can transfer over to other cultures, other countries, other schools, that it's not just an isolated issue and that we are seeing that. And I think that during COVID, a lot of those issues really escalated and the pressures were put on because everybody was looking at teachers, especially with all of these kids at home. And it makes me sad (laughs) because we know that teachers are part of what makes the world go round. We know that they are important and we love teachers. But when we don't take care of teachers, we see more and more people shift out of the profession. Absolutely. And it's just, we want what's best for the
1: kids. And when we're forced to work in a way that we know isn't right for those kids, or we have all these ridiculous things, extra responsibilities given to us that ultimately don't really impact the children that much, it takes our time and energy away from the kids. And that's what's so frustrating. It's like we all became teachers because we love kids. We love education. We want to make a difference. We want them to have an amazing school experience. There are just so many barriers to us being able to do that.
0: And it's just, everybody just burns out. I think that's the problem is it's not sustainable, right? And just so you know, you did make an impact. The six years that you taught, you impacted so many lives and i think it's important for us to also see educators in that way i think a lot of times when you say like oh i left or i used to be a teacher there's like this negative connotation like you didn't you didn't just keep sacrificing or you know being a martyr all the time and it's like no because we have to look out for our own well-being and the season of life that we're in like maybe right now is not a good time for someone to be in the classroom, and maybe they will go back. It's not a permanent thing. You don't have to always stay out. But I think what I'm hearing from you is that it was just not sustainable for you to keep doing this. You tried to make a change, and just the demands were overwhelming. You wanted to focus on your students, but you had a lot of extra responsibilities put on you. And, And I think there is a disconnect between Leadership between administration and teachers sometimes. You have great leaders. Sometimes you have leaders who've just forgotten what it was really like. And it sounds like maybe that could have made the difference for you, but also it's just one piece of the puzzle, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes from the top down, they forget because they're not teaching every day, they forget. And I think we don't have a teacher recruitment problem we have a teacher retention problem here. So those teachers that choose to stay in the profession go up so quickly and like good for them. Like they've clearly worked, you know, really, really hard and they deserve it. They deserve that promotion. But because then all of the leaders have only been teaching for like a few years, it's like, who's who's modeling to them you know, they've been a leader for all these years. They're a really, really experienced teacher. They've been a head teacher for decades, whatever. Like, I think there's becoming less and less of them left in the profession because of the way that it is. So the leadership that we have coming up through No Fault of Their Own, they don't have those leaders to model off of, I guess.
2: We agree. We talk about how the narrative is, it's not accurate. That it's a retention issue that is occurring right now, and people are hustling to recruit teachers and even changing their state laws for who can be in the classroom, but it doesn't resolve the problems and why people are leaving. And so that's where I look to these decision makers and these big leaders who are going to have to just put their foot down and say, we really have to do something to help retain teachers and give them sustainable, sustainable work environments.
0: We need a cultural shift. I mean, you can't keep putting these expectations on to teachers. And I think your story is really a great example because you left at year six that the demands start right away. It's not even like you're getting someone who's been a teacher for 15 years and then you're saying, well, you know, we really need someone to take on this extra responsibility. We know that you've got it together. You know, you've, you've taught the same grade for five years. Now you have your lesson plans. Like you're one of our top performers. Can you do this extra stuff, which, you know, still you have to have boundaries, but you're taking brand new people and you're essentially training them to always have an unrealistic work-life balance, like from the get-go. You need to do all of these extra things if you're going to make it. And that's that's how I felt. I don't know if that was put on you, but my first year they told me like, okay, well, sometimes they have to cut a teacher and you know, you're know you an elective teacher. There's two new Spanish teachers this year. So there's a good chance one of you is going to get cut um, if we don't have enough students returning. And if you coach an activity, if you do a club, if you do this, they probably won't cut you. And guess what? I did all of those things and I didn't get cut. The other teacher got cut but my classroom teaching should have been enough. Like I was a good teacher. I did all the things I was supposed to do. It's crazy to me that, you know, those were the determinations. So it's interesting to hear your perspective, knowing that we're not unique in the U.S. to to these struggles.
1: The perception of, you know, if you don't do those extra things, I mean, nobody queries it anyway. Well, people do start to query it after a while, but not when you're a brand new teacher in your first year of teaching. There's this perception that if you don't do it, you're a terrible person and you're lazy and you don't really care about the kids. Whereas actually, everybody wants to go above and be able to do extra things in their unpaid hours for these kids. The problem is that all the things we have to do are ridiculous and they don't impact the kids. So it's just like, I'm happy to do extra things in my own time, off my own back, because I know it's right for my class, but they just demand it. and then. They put the pressure on in terms of your pace. They set targets. I don't know if yours is the same, but they set you targets every year and they don't. So before I worked in teaching, I had other jobs. I ended up going to teaching like a little bit later than most people do. And your yearly performance management was always called an appraisal in like other jobs. And this one is called performance management, which even sounds horrible. Even sounds like they're telling you everything you're doing wrong. And if you don't, do all of the things that they tell you to do and prove that you're doing all these extra things then they won't move your pay up and teacher pay like it's got better now it's to do with like it's interesting what you were saying about them changing the goalposts in America about the entry requirements to be a teacher whereas here they've changed the salary so when you become a teacher now you earn 30,000 pounds I don't know what that is in dollars but I know I calculated that 34 which is what I was on in my sixth year of teaching is 40,000 US dollars. So six years of teaching, reading all these extra subjects, going off on like week-long trips, taking the kids to cities, taking them to London, taking them, you know, wherever. That's what we're paid. But when I first started teaching, I was on 21,000 pounds. I have no idea what that is in dollars. It's not a lot. It's well below the average in America. So I earned almost the same working as a personal assistant, Nine to five, flexi. So I could just, you know, if I wanted to go to the beach and go surfing, I could just go if I had hours. There's there's a big festival here, and one year my friend um had tickets and he was like, Oh I've got their ticket, just drive down. So I was like, okay, cool. So I text my boss in like in my old job, just saying, Oh, I've got some flexi hours. Can I just start on Monday lunchtime? Because I'm probably not gonna be able to drive <laughs> on Sunday night. I'm probably you know gonna be over the limit. She was like, Yeah, that's fine. I was like, Cool. I just rocked up at Monday lunchtime. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine in teaching?
0: No, I think the challenges of being an educator are evident that you don't have a flexible schedule. And when you're going to be out, it's like so much work to be out that you can't really even enjoy the time off that you're supposed to have, which isn't much. So you've really highlighted so many different connections between the US and the UK that are similar, but also I really want to share with our listeners the different things that you talked about and shared with us, maybe even before our meeting, some tips on places to go if they're considering exiting the classroom. So first you talked about LinkedIn, which was great. LinkedIn is such a good resource now. You can find lots of connections there. You can also really beef up your resume and your online presence because people jobs employers they search on linkedin you told us about teacher talk and how that helped you you know decide i think ultimately it helped you decide that this wasn't the right path for you and then the facebook group that you mentioned was excellent it's called life after teaching exit the classroom and thrive and then lastly and most importantly your community your friends the people that you leaned on were really paramount in supporting your transition, leaving the classroom?
2: I think that you came with some really solid advice. I'm glad that you were able to express what you endured during that time, but how you got to the place that you are. And I think that those steps are going to be really essential in helping someone else possibly go down that same path.
1: Yeah, and I kept thinking it was me. I kept thinking like, I'm the problem, it's me. But it's not, so- what I really helped is like your podcast and all of the podcasts about quitting teaching were so helpful because I'd be getting ready for school, like really press like, I don't want to go in, please, no. Like, feeling the dread, like, do I need to throw up from anxiety again before I leave or can I wait till I get to school? And I listened to your podcast and just go, do you know what? It's not just me. Like, this is not in my head this is this is not a me problem this is a system problem everybody is thinking the same way and yeah it's not you so if you are feeling like that it's not you you are not the problem
0: well I think that's a good way to end the podcast right there (laughs) I couldn't agree more thank you so much for your time today and for joining the show thank you for having me If you liked The Great Teacher Resignation, give us a five-star rating and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Today's episode was written and recorded by me, Alexandra Simon, and my co-host, Jody Scissors. Executive produced by Teacher Brain. Produced and edited by Emily Porter. Original music, emoji by TubeBacker. Special thanks to our sponsor, Paper Planes Ed.